Genesis 12, 10 through 20, the sermon is entitled Getting Back on Track, and I, I guess this sermon was spawned from being the, the beginning of a new year and realizing that um, sometimes in the course of the past year or years gone by, we have drifted away from where God wants us to be. And it's an opportunity here at the start to get back on track, to be closer to God, to walk more faithfully with Him. Because it is so easy to get lost, isn't it? Have you ever been lost? Have you ever not known where you were before the day? Well, even with GPS, you can still be lost because it will take you some strange directions away from common sense. But even before GPS, before the days of maps, um, getting lost can be a frightening thing. I was reading a story about some friends who were taking a canoe trip in Ontario and they were heading northward and it came to a, a place where they had to get out of the river and portage their canoes about a mile across inland and then to a lake on the other side. Well, about halfway through, the wind had, had knocked some trees down. They lost their direction. They entered some swampy ground and they got they got worried. They, they became frightened. And um, thankfully, one of them remembered he had a compass, and he pulled the compass out and found the northeast direction, which they were originally heading in, and went through some underbrush, and just a short distance further, they found the lake toward which they were heading. Some lessons from that. First of all, if you get lost, go back to where you last knew where you were. Secondly, if you have a compass, use it. And thirdly, if you use the compass, trust it. All these lessons can be applied to our scripture this morning. So stand with me as we read Genesis 12, verses 10 through 20, if you will. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful to behold, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared on your account. When Abraham entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house, and for her sake he, he dwelt well with Abram. He had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maidservants and she asses and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and be gone. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they set him on the way with his wife and all that he had. Bow with me. Father, when we get lost, help us find our way back to you. Some of us are lost today. Some of us are headed down the wrong path. And we need to get back closer to you. And so help us do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. So 
So I want you to know that Abraham was doing great. He had heard the call of God. He had packed his belongings. He leaves the city of Ur and travels hundreds of miles to arrive in this unknown land of promise. And the first thing he does when he arrives is he builds an altar and he worships God there, the God who brought them there. And he is, he's on the right track. It's off to a great start, but no sooner has he arrived in Canaan than he encounters a problem. It's a famine. And it's the first time he's ever had to deal with a famine because he's from the city of Ur. His family had means, but he left all that behind. He's a stranger in a strange land, and he's got people and livestock and hungry mouths to feed. He's looking, they're looking to him for food. And so this journey of faith is not an easy one from Abram because I promise you, the moment you make the decision to follow God, you can count on something going wrong, can't you? The very moment you decide to follow God, a disappointment, a temptation, a setback, an unexpected turn of events. Does God deliberately throw obstacles in our way to make the journey difficult? Of course not. He doesn't have to do that. Life is already hard enough. Things happen, whether you're following God or whether you're not following God. But for some reason, when we start following God, we think everything ought to be smooth. But it's not. And so when bad things do happen, when obstacles are in our path, they become opportunities for us to trust God, to know God, to love God, and to find him faithful if we are faithful. So God allows these things so we can meet him in the middle of them and he can reveal his character to us and help shape ours. He uses all that to prepare us for the future that he's calling us toward a future of greater faithfulness, a future of greater service, a future of greater opportunities, but we can't get to the greater unless we're faithful in the lesser. And that's what's happening here. There's no indication God sent the famine, but since it did happen, it's the first opportunity Abram had to trust God in this new land to provide for him. But look what he does. Verse 10, there's a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. There's more going on here than just Abram running to the next town to buy groceries. Egypt in the Old Testament always represented a worldly response to a spiritual challenge. Whenever the people of Israel come up against an enemy, they're tempted to form an alliance with Egypt to rely on Egypt's military strength and economic power instead of the Lord. And it begins here with Abram. Instead of trusting God to provide in the land of Canaan that God had led him to, Abram hightails it down to Egypt. And notice the language here. I think it's more than just literal. Abram went down to Egypt. Anytime you're reading the Bible and somebody goes down somewhere, it's always the wrong direction. You ever notice that? When people get close to God, they go up. They go up to the mountain to worship. They go up to the temple to pray. But they go down up to no good. <laughs> and we use the same language today. The gambler goes down to the racetrack. The alcoholic goes down to the bar. 
Incidentally, I park on Central on Sunday so I can walk up to the church to worship. It's part of it, going up to pray, going down to get in trouble, go up to be with God. God never tells Abram to go down to Egypt to be rescued. There's no indication Abram prayed, he sought God's guidance. No, Abram is taking matters into his own hands and he goes down to Egypt and that's when he gets off the path and gets into trouble. He gets into trouble. He's exchanging one problem for another. Sarai, his wife, is a beautiful woman. And not only that, she has some wealth. So she would be a handsome addition to Pharaoh's harem. But Pharaoh, if Pharaoh knew that Sarai was Abram's wife, he would kill Abram so he could have her for his own. Abram knows this. So Sarah, listen. When Pharaoh lays his eyes on you and he finds you attractive, don't tell him you're married to me. Tell him you're my sister so I might live. He might even be nice to Abram as the brother of this beautiful woman. So he comes up with this scheme. Verse 13. Say you are my sister that it may go well with me because of you and that my life may be spared on your account. What a, what a great guy. It was at this point I decided not to use this sermon for my Father's Day message. At first, it looks like his plan is working. Pharaoh takes Sarah into his harem. He lets Abram live. In fact, he showers Abram with gifts. But, but something happens in Pharaoh's household. His people begin to suffer because of Abram's sin. Judgment comes on Pharaoh because he's committing adultery. And people are afflicted with terrible diseases. It says a plague came upon his household. Not to mention the disgrace and the humiliation that Sarai has to endure because of the cowardice of her husband. And when Pharaoh finds out the truth, he calls Abram and says, what in the world have you done to me? He rebukes him and he banishes him from the land. How far has Abram gotten off the path from God? Instead of trusting God to provide for him in the land of promise, he goes down to Egypt. Instead of trusting God to protect him, he comes up with this sister act to save his own skin. Have you noticed anything else? How long has it been since Abram built an altar to worship God? Not in Egypt. He's gotten off the right track. So we could ask Abram this question, what in the world are you thinking, Abram? Your journey began so well by faith you left Ur and you headed out and you didn't know which direction to go in. You built two altars. Faith, courage, and obedience have gotten you this far. Now you've turned to deception and manipulation and, and using people and self-reliance. What are you thinking, Abraham? Look at this mess you have created for yourself and not only yourself, but your family and your friends and, and all those around you. Incidentally, it's not the last time Abram gets into trouble. He tries a similar scheme to save himself with King Abimelech with disastrous results. And then on another occasion, he knows that God has promised him descendants, he and, and Sarah, to have children. But he gets tired of waiting and he takes matters into his own hands through his maidservant, Hagar. 
And through that comes the Muslim nation. So he defines the sin of self-reliance instead of trusting God. And we aren't so different. How many times do we come to some disappointment, some upsetting circumstance, and instead of trusting God and saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing here, but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to hang on to you, and I'm going to believe in you. No. What do we do? We flounder off path, and we search our own way, hoping for something better. And it always ends in ruin. We try to take things into our own hands. You know, nobody gets lost all at once. It happens one small step at a time. Nobody says, I'm going to disobey God and do what I want to do from now on. No, we don't do that. It's just, I'm just going to do this one little thing, and it's not a big deal. It's just a, a small sin, maybe just a little white lie. Guess what? The next one's a little easier. The next one's a little bit easier. And we find ourselves venturing further and further down the path toward Egypt. And all the while, God is here saying, I'm here. Trust me. Try me. Prove me. I will be faithful to you. You need a job, and so you exaggerate on your application a little bit, your qualifications. Then in the interview, you repeat the lies. And then you're deceiving customers. And then you're taking a little money out of the cash register. It just gets easier and easier. You start off worshiping God in church three Sundays out of four and then two Sundays out of four, and then one Sunday out of four, and then it's been months since you've been in God's house to worship him. You're feeling lonely one night. There's nobody at home, and so you Google a porn site just this once, just once. Before you know it, you're down in Egypt, and you and everybody around you is in trouble. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us have turned to his or her own way. And the hymn that we love to sing, number 15, Come thou fount of every blessing, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Sometimes it's deliberate, intentional, but most times it happens so subtle it's, it's without us even realizing it. We all have this tendency that, that we know better for ourselves than God, that we can trust ourselves instead of following God. And it leads to hurt and heartache for us and everyone around us because when God is telling us to do something, it's because he loves us and wants the best for us. But no, I know what's better, and I'm going to do this, and it's going to end in disaster. In Abraham's case, People were led into sin and afflicted with disease. Sarai was exploited. Abraham left in disgrace, having made himself an enemy and dishonoring the name of his God to the Egyptian people. What about all those servants and livestock that Abraham had? Well, they turned into a financial windfall initially, 
But it was a kind of wealth that God never intended Abraham to have because it would cause him nothing but trouble. If you look on in chapter 13, you find out that the land that he and Lot go to cannot sustain all the livestock. And so Abraham and Lot end up dividing and going in opposite directions. And that led to spiritual ruin for Lot and his household. And it's always that way with our wrong choices and our sinful scheming and our thoughts that we know what's best for ourselves. It always leads to hurt and heartache, wasted years, and wounded hearts. But the good news is, it's not too late to come back. Abraham had made a mess of things. But the journey doesn't end in Egypt. <laughs> Pharaoh kicked him out of Egypt. And look what happens, chapter 13, verse 1. So Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him, into the Negeb. Verse 3, and he journeyed on from the Negeb as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. He goes back to where he lost his way between Bethel and Ai to the place where he had made an altar at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. It took him a while, but Abram went back to where he last knew God, to where he last had worshipped the Lord. Have you ever made a pilgrimage back to the church where you professed your faith and were baptized? The chapel is that way for a lot of folks. The baptistry under the platform. The baptistry here. Maybe the church you grew up in. It has, has a special meaning. And you know when you go back there and you sit on the steps of the altar. You know that's where you met God. And he spoke to you and he's real. Sometimes it's good just to go back to that starting place and put those roots down again. It took Abram a while, but he made his way back to where he last knew where he was, and he had his beginning. And there he called on the name of the Lord, and we don't know what he said in his prayer, but I bet it was something like, I'm sorry, God, please forgive me. I've made a mess of things down in Egypt. And the wonderful thing about this story is Abraham hadn't wandered so far away that he couldn't come back. And neither can you or I. There's always a way back to the right path. It's the way of repentance, confessing our sins and receiving God's forgiveness and setting out again on the path that God has for us. 1 John 1, 9, if we say our if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And John also writes these things. He says, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But he knows we will. And by his amazing grace, God is willing and able to restore to us the relationship with him and to set our feet on the path that leads to blessing. It's a narrow path that leads upward to salvation. Abraham made mistakes, and he'll make similar ones again. But don't forget, this is the beginning of a transformation that eventually leads up to Mount Moriah, where Abraham is willing to sacrifice his son, his only son, Isaac, because God is testing him to see whom do you love the most, whom do you trust the most. 
And because of all these things that have happened in Abraham's past, he's able to say, God, I trust you. And I'm going to obey you no matter what. And because of his faith, that amazing faith, God receives him back and Abraham becomes the father of many nations. With God, failure is never final. No sin is unforgivable. No mistake is unredeemable. And as long as we have life and breath, forgiveness is always offered. So what are the lessons? If you get off the path, go back to where you last knew where you were. Start over. Some of us today need to admit that we've wandered off that path. Maybe you've been off it for a long time. Maybe you're watching by television. It's been a long time since you worshiped God, since you were in his house, since you gave him your tithe, since you gave him yourself. Don't take another step in the wrong direction. Don't venture further and further away from the God who created you and loved you and sent his son to die for you. Go back right now to where you last knew your bearings and call on the name of the Lord and in him you will find forgiveness. Secondly, when in doubt, pull out a compass, pull out a road map. And that's God's word. Maybe you're getting discouraged. Maybe you're beginning to panic and you, and you don't think you can find your way out of this mess that you have created. Get out the compass. Don't turn to the left or right and end up lost. Turn to God. And then finally, trust what God says. Trust his call on your life. Trust the path he has given you to take the life he has promised you and wants to bless you with. And he will do it. Do you remember what it was like to bathe a toddler in the sink or bathtub? Washing their hair is always the hardest part. Neck down is easy. But washing their hair, you shampoo the hair, and then they tilt their head forward, and the shampoo runs down their face into their eyes, and it burns, and it starts stinging, and they're upset. So what do you do? Tilt your head back. Trust me. Tilt your head back. Let the water run off the back of your, of your head, and it won't get in your eyes. So you shampoo, and they, what they do? They tilt their head forward again, and the water runs down their face into their eyes. That's what God wants us to do. There's so many passages in the Bible where it says, Lift up your heads, O ye gates and the king of glory will come in. But what do we do? We, tilt, we don't trust God. We tilt our head downward, and we suffer, and we hurt, and there's pain, and God is saying, just trust me and look up into my face, and it's going to be okay, but you've got to trust me, and I will take care of you, and I will provide for you, and I will meet your needs. God is willing to do that wherever you are, whatever path you have taken subtly, gradually, one small step at a time down toward Egypt, away from God, up toward Him to worship. It's not too late, and He's ready to receive you in this new year. Let's bow together.
Father, as we are on the dawn of a 2018, there have been mistakes, bad mistakes in the past. We pray, Lord, you help us learn from them. Forgive us. Maybe it's been a while since we've been in church to worship, but this, this new year, we're, we're trying to do better. Maybe we've made some mistakes at work, in our family, in our neighborhood, at school. And we need forgiveness because we've tried to, to do things ourselves, to do it our own way. And it's a mess that we've made. Nobody's fault but our own. And we ask you to forgive us. Help us get back on the right path. Walk toward you and the blessing that you intend for us to have and the way you want to prosper us and give us hope in the future. We give ourselves to you this day in Jesus' name. Amen.